Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartinized. Today's episode, it's the law. We frequently, in the English language, use the same word to describe two very different things, and sometimes this can lead to confusion. Take, for instance, the word law. It can apply to a natural law, a physical law, like the law of gravity, but it also applies to man-made rules and regulations, like a speed limit, for instance. If it's a natural law, you can't break it. If you try and break the law of gravity by, say, stepping off the edge of a tall building, you die. On the other hand, it's easy to break the speed limit law by going 5 or 10 or 15 miles over. You might not get caught, and if you do, the penalty is usually a fine. It's certainly not as drastic as stepping off the edge of a building. It's interesting to note that economists don't talk about principles and theories. They talk about laws. The law of diminishing returns, the law of unintended consequences, and the one we're all familiar with, the law of supply and demand. And although these deal with human interaction, they're not laws that are passed by humans. They're every bit as real and solid and immutable as the physical law of gravity. And when you try and pass man-made laws to change them, to deny them, or to try and manipulate them, you're going to lose. We saw this in the past century, where entire countries tried to break the law of supply and demand with socialism and communism, and the result was entire continents that were gray. The sky was gray, the buildings were gray, the people were gray, the sparse food at the supermarkets was gray, Even the grass was gray, all because these people tried to break a physical law using man-made law, and it just didn't work. It can't. Now, as a smartenized listener, I'm sure you understand how the law of supply and demand works and tends to control prices and tends to regulate both supply and demand. But there's another variation of that law, a variation that is seldom talked about, and that is, if there is a demand, there will be a supply. You can get drugs in prison. There's a demand, so of course, there's a supply. This means if we were to lock up every single American citizen, except for the prison guards, there would still be lots of illegal drug use going on. As long as people want to do something or want to have something, other people will supply it, especially if that supply is immensely profitable, as is often the case when things are illegal. You can pass all the laws that you want against prostitution, against gambling, against drugs, but since there's a demand, there will always be a supply. Now, we tend to think about the government passing laws that ignore this law of supply and demand regarding the vices. But there is also the issue of legal things that are priced 
beyond the reach of people. And in those cases, there is a demand for lower-priced goods or services. For instance, I live in a very small village, about 600 people, about 200 families. And at one point, and I imagine the same situation exists now, but at one point a few years back, I knew of five illegal daycare centers here in my little village. The price of legal daycare is huge, mainly because of all the rules and regulations and permits and laws. That's priced it beyond the reach of a lot of people, especially if you have a couple of kids. So there is a demand for lower-priced daycare. And in this little village of 200 families, there were at least five, and probably more, or at least five that I knew about, places where people had set aside a room, and that was their daycare room, and they would watch your kids for anywhere from 25 to 35% of what the going rate was for legal daycare. This allowed many parents to work who otherwise couldn't have afforded to, not if they used legal daycare. But it was all done very quiet. It was all done on the hush-hush because if either the daycare provider or the parent got caught, there were horrible, serious legal ramifications. I don't know that anybody ever did, though, because everybody just kind of kept their mouth shut about it. And it was an excellent example of the principle. There was a demand, and so there was a supply. Yep. There always is, isn't there? Congress is trying to push forth a bill to further socialize children's medicine. It's for the children, you understand, and they want to do it on the backs of smokers again. Their plan is to triple the federal tax on a pack of cigarettes and to raise the tax on cigars by up to 20,000%. No, 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 I'm not making up that number. 20,000%. The tax on a single cigar could go from $0.05 cents to $10. Now, it all depends on the price of cigars, and most cigars will only go up 5,000 or 10,000%. But each time the taxes are raised, you increase the demand for a more reasonably priced product. And every time the taxes are raised, another tier of people says, screw this. I'm going to go buy it at an Indian reservation. I'm going to buy it on the Internet. I'm going to buy it from the guy on the corner who used to sell pot, but now sells cigarettes for a more reasonable price than I can get them at the store. And every time that this happens, the government bureaucrats say, oh, look at all these terrible people. They're ripping off the system. Bullshit. They're fighting it back against being ripped off themselves. The Boston Tea Party was fought over a 3% tax. Tobacco users are being charged hundreds of a percent more than the base price of the product. They're paying 200, 500, 700% in taxes. So there is a demand for lower priced tobacco. And of course, that means that there has to be a supply. It seems that every time somebody wants to raise taxes, they find a way to say it's for the children. And so I would like to propose some legislation myself. I'd like to propose that anybody who uses the for the children argument for a tax increase, and this applies not only to the politicians that 
propose it, but the politicians who vote for it and the public citizens who applaud it and push for it, any one of those people should be declared a tax hole. And if they do it more than once in their life, they're a double tax hole. And here's the way the legislation would work. Any American citizen who has seen their price of anything increase because of something done by a tax hole has the legal right once per year to visit that tax hole and give them a good strong kick in the testicles. In the unlikely event that they don't have testicles, you can kick them anywhere you want. Now I'm tall, I'll go for a boot to the head, but if you're short, just kick them in the tax hole. And if they're a double tax hole, well, then you get to use a baseball bat. I don't think that legislation has a huge chance of passing, but boy, wouldn't it be wonderful. And just remember, the next time that you see a politician saying that they're going to change the world, they're going to make people stop doing bad things, or they're going to reduce the incidence of people doing things by making it more expensive or making it outright illegal, just remember, if there's a demand, there will be a supply. It's the law. And that's it for this episode of Quick Hits. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been Smartinized. music that you're listening to is used by permission of the Aquamarines. And if you'd like to buy their CD or download their music, you can just go to theaquamarines.com and check it out. You can get this piece without actually listening to me yammer over the top of it. Thank you, folks, for letting me use it. Yeah, I know, this one's been late. It's not the first one. Hey, it's summertime. I've got a couple of reasons and no excuses. In my area, there's always lots of free concerts and theater outdoors in the summertime, and it's great, and I make great use of it. I've seen concerts, I think I've seen like four concerts and a Shakespeare play all in the past month. I'm just having a good time and enjoying the summertime and spending time doing things that, well, it's different from podcasting. I won't say more fun, but it's a different kind of thing, and I'm not going to be missing out on summertime stuff. I'm also spending a lot of time and effort on the podcast Peer Awards. And for that very reason, not only are you getting this one late, this is the only one that you're going to get for this month. Sorry, folks. But I'm going to be in Atlanta for the Dragon Con at the end of this month, uh, in the beginning of September. And I'm not going to be doing a podcast then. I'm going to be presenting the podcast Peer Awards. What are the podcast Peer Awards, you ask? Well, they're the only award, the only podcast award out there that's picked by other podcasters. So it's not strictly a popularity contest. It's a difficult award to qualify as a finalist. It's a difficult award to win. And it's a great place for you to go to find great podcasts to listen to. It's at podcastpeers.org. And to make it easier to remember, here's Bob to tell you all about it. Through 
some podcasts, trying to give some stuff a listen, but the thief stole all the talent and the content was all missing. People were saying things too stupid to be saying, and the music that I heard was worse than my harmonica playing. Joker spoke to me and said, I've got something for your ears. You can find the world's best podcast listed out at Podcast Peers. So I checked out all the winners and my heart was beating faster than it did in 65 when I picked up a Stratocaster. you need to see or hear new things but you're tired and you're bored go download some winners at the podcast peer wars when you find your podcast playlist is as wearisome as a morgue it's time to head on over to podcastpeers.org The State of the Union's podcast brought in lots of email, and nobody had anything good to say about unions. Lots of stories about unions. I tell you what, I think you could probably do a podcast just called Bad Stuff About the Unions, and it would be an hour long, and you could probably do it a couple of times a week for years without ever repeating yourself. Everybody has horror stories about unions. I know I cut way back on mine. I could have probably done an hour about the ones that I've personally had experience with. And it seems that everybody else who is hardworking and energetic has had experiences with them as well. I got messages from people who were managers who asked not to have their name used, telling stories about union workers harassing people in an office to try and get them to sign up for the union. I really like this one from Irvan Andel. You are spot on with your union stories. Unions have poisoned all government branches that employ a lot of people, especially education, law enforcement, and health care. I'll give you one example from Holland. In the Netherlands, teachers are not allowed to teach the number of hours the students are required to sit in the class. Yes, read that again. It means that every class in elementary school has at least two teachers. Wow. Isn't that great? Just mind-boggling, isn't it? Here's one from Don Venardos. Glad to know I'm not the only one that had that kind of experience with unions and the government. To me, the fundamental truth from economics, here we go, another law from economics, ties nicely in with this show. To me, the fundamental truth from economics is that incentives matter. When something is really screwed up, you can usually examine the incentives in the situation and quickly explain why it is so. Yep, you got that right. Unions, of course, hate the idea of piecework, which gives people incentives to do things. And they're also not very keen on people advancing based on merit. Oh, no, no, no. Because then, what do you need unions for? But anyhow, I think we are seeing unions become less and less and less important. And that's a good thing. We're on our way toward getting rid of them, and I think we'll all be much better off without them. 
You know, I do love hearing from you folks. I don't have the phone number anymore because the number got changed. I couldn't get the old number back, and it wasn't really worth pursuing because very few people ever use it anyhow. But I do get a lot of email, and I love to hear from you, either agreeing or disagreeing. It's nice to know that you're out there listening and maybe even thinking about some of the things that we talk about here. My email address is hitman at davehit.com, and you can get the right spelling of that in the mp3 tags of this file or you can just go to davehit.com spelled with two t's and you'll see my email all over the place be sure to check out the quick hits blog which is different than the quick hits podcast also available off of the main page of davehit.com just to give you a little sample of what you'll find there a couple of recent articles Uh, this one was uh, dead men don't drive tractors Yesterday, the Department of Agriculture put their hands in the pockets of their overalls, looked rather sheepishly at the ground, and kicked a clump of sod. Then they admitted that they paid over a billion dollars in subsidies to farmers who were, well, dead. The result is my second favorite quote of the year. It's unconscionable that the Department of Agriculture would think that a dead person was actively engaged in the business of farming. That was from a Department of Agriculture weasel. My favorite quote of the year? We have not released giant badgers in Basra. Yes, that was an actual quote, and the blog has links, so you can go in there and verify it. And this one that I put on there a little while ago, uh, I just love this story. This happened in England. The setup. An old guy decides to ride his old guy scooter on the highway. The cops tell him to pull over. He swears at them and cranks it up to its maximum speed, 8 miles an hour. The punchline? He got away. You'll find this and other fun stories, stories about vegan sexuals and all kinds of fun stuff on the Quick Hits blog. So so check it out right off the main page of DaveHit.com. Now, I do plan on having a show for you on September 15th, on or about then. I will be doing a show for you on the 15th of September or thereabouts, and then getting back into my grueling schedule of two per month around the 1st and the 15th of each month, because I know everybody really wants to be smartenized, and it's so hard to find smart stuff out there, isn't it? But in the meantime, go to podcastpeers.org and check out some of the nominees And by the time you listen to this, the winners will probably have been picked. So you can go there and check out some really great shows and great podcasts that are well worth downloading and listening to. And as always, never forget that the Quick Hits podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.